Well, welcome everyone to the Methods Without Madness uh, breakout. My name is Aubrey Seiler, and this is my brother, Alan Seiler. Hello. And we are the, um, the A team yeah. <laughs> when it comes to our, well, yeah, the name of our farm is actually Better Together Farm. Um, we are fortunate to, to, there's only two of us sibling-wise, which is unfortunate, but we're thankful for each other. Um, when we were younger, maybe not so much, but now much more. Yes, now we're <laughs> thankful for it. Um, we, our, 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 prim our primary regret is that as being farmers, uh, we really wish our parents would have had more siblings. Because, yes, yeah, so, so, <laughs> we're taking that, we're taking that wish to heart. Um, so in our future families will be much larger. Yes. <laughs> yes, please remind me. Uh, so, anyways, we're fortunate enough to have both of our parents engaged and um, my mom's parents, uh, we call Bito and Bita, short for Abuelito and Abuelita. Um, they're also engaged and my dad's mom, Mima, she comes and helps us when she can. Um, we always love having her up. So our little farm, we actually only grow on a sixth of an acre, sixth or seventh? One sixth now, but yeah, more like a seventh. It's <laughs> Somewhere between a sixth and a, and a seventh of an acre. Uh, we're located in south central Oklahoma, so only about um, three hours from here. Um, and we've been doing this for... Three years more seriously. Three years more seriously. The whole farming... The whole farming um, idea is actually my brother's um, inspiration. He started getting into it when he was around 14. We don't come from a family of farmers. Well, my Mimo had a, a, a pretty large garden when she was growing up in Oklahoma, and my grandpa's really good at, at gardening too. But as a career, that's not something that our family comes from. So this is all very new to us. Even though we've been doing it for about three, three or four years, it's still really new to us. Um, and actually, my dear brother, he's on the, on the board for the uh, association, um, and he's in charge of the programming side of it. And uh, when he told me that we were doing a presentation on time management, my jaw hit the floor. <laughs> because it's really something that we we're learning. We're learning, yes. And I'm like, are we supposed to know anything about this, Alan? <laughs> but, um, so yes, we're, we're here, we're learning. So whatever we say today, um, some of it we have from experience, but that's only a very little uh, portion of it. We're still learning and we're still striving and every day we're figuring out new ways of doing things. So the... Um, the presentation this morning isn't really going to deal, there will be some concrete concepts, but most of it is, is theory. Most of it is um, principles and guidelines that you can take and apply as, as you see best. And there's a really a lot of things that we could cover under this topic. We've chosen four. Four. I can't even count, okay? <laughs> We've chosen four um, that we feel that if they're implemented, can really choose to be, um, can really prove to be helpful and beneficial. Now, most of this will apply to farms that are seeking to generate a profit. 
Uh, I mean, it will it will help in your in a in a hobby farmer and just like a family garden. They they are principles that will help in that, but it, it's kind of geared more towards um, production and and becoming more of a business. Uh, actually, when we were practicing practicing this presentation uh, several weeks ago, my mima was there listening to us, and she's like, "Oh." Oh, I need to go home right now. I, I have got to clean out my garage. I need to, do, you know, and, and it, so, I mean, they're also principles that apply to your daily living. So they can be, they can be applicable in both. Um, if there's one thing that you take away from this presentation this morning, it is this. Realize that better is better than bigger. Growing better. Better versus bigger. And um, kind of the two areas that we take these concepts that we're presenting from this morning are from two books that we've somewhat recently been engaged with. The Lean Farm book, which was just released this year or the beginning, end of last year, sometime um, recently, by Ben Hartman. They own a farm up in Indiana called Clay Bottom Farms. Um, I believe this book was or still is at the at the booth. It's a must buy. It it's is a, must a must buy. buy. <laughs> Even if you don't have a farm, it's like for me, I'm I'm kind of a <laughs> systems oriented, uh, essentialist, minimalist type of person, and <laughs> so reading this book was just like, it was like music to my ears. Um, you should see a room at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's very inspiring. I, I really I really enjoy it. The Market Gardener. Is a book written by um, J.M. or Jean-Martin Fortier. I probably slaughtered it. He's a French-Canadian. We actually had the privilege of visiting his farm last um, fall on a, on a farm tour that we did of the Northeast. He also has a lot of principles and stuff that are, are generated toward what we'll, we'll be discussing this morning. So these are two books. There's a lot more out there that you could. This is just kind of where we got um, the principles that we'll be presenting this morning. Um, so the... The, there's the better, not bigger, and the, the four points that we'll be covering are, um, the first one is standardize, the second will be centralize, the third organize, and the fourth strategize. And doesn't necessarily have to be in that order, but those are the orders that we'll be, we'll be tackling it this morning. So Alan, standardize. So the reason that we wanted to start with standardization is because when anyone starts a farm, the layout of your farm and how you start it, it's like the foundation and kind of basic bottom. Once you start with that, it's going to determine really how the rest of your farming and the rest of these four situations is really going to turn out for you. So we're going to start out with a few things. We're going to talk about standardized beds, uh, standardized fields, and then standardized tools. So under standardized beds, um, one of the things that we need to think about here is that and we're not going to say exactly what the ideal situation is, but one of the, think of it this way. The reason that, does anyone know why beds are usually four feet wide in most operations? Exactly. Tractors. Okay, a, a, an average tractor, tractor axle width is four feet wide. Now, that's great if you're wanting to do tractor farming. That is really what your tools that you use as far as for the major working of your field is really what's going to determine exactly what the width of your bed's going to be. So let's say that I'm not going to have a tractor. We're going to do a small scale farm, which, which is really going towards the better, not bigger aspect of things. What should be my standardized bed width if that is my situation and conditions I'm working under? One 
or what's your axle? Okay, um, you're the tractor now. You're using your implements. This is a hand-driven system, so you need to standardize your bed to whatever comfortable axle width you have. You know, I have an axle width of about two and a half feet here, which is an average for most people, and so that's what we went with. Also, what is the comfortable width of your tractor as far as your tractor's wheels are going to be about, you know, yay wide? So two to three feet usually is what you see on most operations. What about people? Some people feel like 12 inches is good enough. If you're older, it's maybe be a little bit wider. I think 12 inches is not good enough. It's not good enough. We're thinking about actually when, once we get new land, we're probably going to be bumping our bed spacing, like our footpath width, um, up to about 18 inches with this, what uh, JM or Jean Martin does in Canada. The reason for that is that <clears throat> when you're going like this, squatting, I can't really do it with this microphone, but you know, that butt can sometimes stick out a little bit and you gotta crush the plants on the back side when, you, when you're working on the front side. And so you need to be thinking about <laughs> your dimensions when it comes to <laughs> standardization here. <laughs> so anyways, uh, but things, things to consider. Um, <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on. Um, now we need to talk about what's, what's the length Exactly. So these are all things to take in consideration. We'll be taking questions and comments once we're done with this. So we're going to move on here. Um, st now we're going to think about length bed. So what is the length of your bed that you want it to be? Okay. And this is where it starts getting a little bit tricky because depending on the operation and the size of scale that you're doing will determine how long you want your beds. Um, I'll just say uh, up front, we think anywhere probably between 50 feet and 100 feet um, is probably good. It's not so much necessarily the length of the bed, it's the idea that you want all your bed lengths to be the same. And why is that so important? The situation is, and a few years ago we found this uh, out, is that when you're trying to amend your fields, if your field bed lengths are different, your bed lengths are going to determine your field lengths, okay? So if your bed lengths are varying, let's say I have a 15-foot bed, a 30-foot bed, a 45-foot bed, a 70-foot bed, that's separate calculations that you're going to not only need to do that for seeding quantity when you're actually going to be seeding those beds, but when you fertilize, when you run drip tape, when you run irrigation, everything is based off of that. And so if you can standardize those bed length, any part and any machinery and any tools you use are going to be exactly the same and interchangeable between your system. So you need to be thinking about how can I standardize this bed length to what I want, and then you base your equipment choices off of that standardization. Um, another thing is that, so uh, your Sunbelt plastic, silage tarp, row covers, irrigation, all that stuff is going to be on that. Now standardized field size. This one is a little bit more of a variable. I think you can fudge this a little bit. Um, personally, I like the idea of having, if your field size, if you're going to have beds in those fields, I like even numbers versus odd numbers. Why? Um, because if you have something that's covering even numbers, let's say that I'm going to cover, unless you're just covering row by row, but let's say that I have something that's going to be covering uh, two beds, like these quick hoops, okay? When I get to the edge of that field, let's say I have only seven beds in that field, I have to use twice the amount of material if everything else is standardized to cover just that last bed there, versus if I had an extra bed, I could cover more for the same price. So I like even numbers. But if you're going to do it even, do it all even. If you're going to do it odd, do it all odd. Okay, but I, I think that you can choose your way, but I, I would suggest that. It's not a rule, it's just a suggestion. 
Um, now, standardized tools. This plays into your foundation of standardized bed widths, bed lengths, and field size. Um, you want to buy to scale. So, for instance, let's say that I have a 500 horsepower tractor at the PTO, and I'm trying to do a market garden like this. I'm really over-purchasing what I need for that operation. You want what you need to get the job done, not beyond that, because you're paying for horsepower that you're never going to use, and it becomes a source of waste on the farm. Um, also, when you're looking at, um, at tools and stuff, especially for the small scale, lighter is better, not bigger and bulkier. Think of it this way. You're going to have to be lifting that hoe. If it's heavier, you're going to have to be lifting that one or two pounds more, and it's going to do the same job. So you want tools that will do the job, not beyond the job, because you're going to be having to lift this stuff manually, and you only want to lift absolutely what you have to. So you want to reduce waste as far as lifting excessively heavy tools. Um, buy tools. Um, oh, another thing with the tractors. Um, if you're using small-scale agriculture, you don't have a tractor because on the end of these fields, you're going to have to have extra room to be able to turn that tractor around and do a second pass back. If you have tools that are scaled to this, you can push your fields closer together, which means you're max. I'm going too fast. Which means you're maximizing the square footage of the area that you have, and you're not using that square footage for stuff that you're really not going to be growing in. You really want to use as much as you can to grow in and as little as you can for actually transporting or moving equipment around. So you want, so basically buy to your scale. Um, the next thing is buy tools with a human touch. You want tools that you can fix readily and easily. Um, when you get something like a tractor or a high-scale tractor, unless you're like Nathan back here that tears tractors apart and puts them back together, if you're not a crazy a mechanic and can do that or have the tools, you want tools that you can manage on yourself. So if it breaks down, you can repair this piece of equipment. And then also um, some of the neat things with, um, with the 30-inch bed system in particular it's what's, what is what we're using is that there's a lot of tools that are being designed because of the research and development of Elliot Coleman in the tool area and other growers to a 30-inch bed, bed system, which is two and a half feet. So you have things like rakes and the BCS Tillo, uh, BCS Tiller rotary, rotary Power Harrow, which makes it a lot better for bed preparation and stuff like that. So um, standardizing those tools for one thing, it will make you leaner and meaner system when you're coming to production because everything is interchangeable, it fits, and it's more efficient because you don't have to be looking for that row cover that does not match your particular field bed because you have 50 different bed sizes. So that was a lot of information. Hope you got it all down. Um, we didn't have the time to create a handout, like an official handout, but if you're interested in some of our notes, we have a somewhat comprehensive outline that we're going off of. Um, if you want to come up to us after the meet, um, and we'll just jot down your email, then I'll shoot, it, shoot the email to you if that's something you're interested in. Um, one quick point I want to mention before going on to the next one is that we believe hard, hard work is good. But we believe that smart work is better. Um, Jean Martin is pretty uh, passionate about the idea that farming should not kill you. <laughs> okay, and we're pretty passionate about that too. We yes, enjoy yes. working hard, but we don't intend to have the job kill us. 
Um, and we believe that there are ways, and there are people who are proving that there are ways to do it smarter. God gave us brains. Ben Carson talks about this a lot. God gave us brains so that we can make our life function easier and better. And so that's what we're after as well. Um, our next point is centralize. Now, I'm going to tell you a brief story. On our farm tour last, last fall, um, we stopped at a farm in Missouri. Not an Adventist guy. I think he had, like, what did he have? 10, 11 kids. That's a little on the extreme side as far as family size, <laughs> just, so, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's awesome, but yeah. Anyways, um, so we stopped at his place, and it was a really neat operation, but the guy, poor guy, he did not have a centralized farm whatsoever. No. Not at all. Not, not even in the slightest. Uh, his house was here, and then he had a field over there, and then a field over there, and then the wash house was way over there, and then we're talking about, like, over several acres kind of a thing. And when we went to, we were helping working there, and when we went to harvest, um, we took a um, golf cart. Yeah, it was, it was like a souped-up golf cart. And we had to harvest and then put the stuff on the golf cart. And they're like, okay, you're going to go that way and then make this turn and then go around that way and then go over there. And then the wash house will be over there. So we're like, okay. So mom and I, I was driving. We head off. And we find that the way that they had told us to go was blocked because they were running a bunch of like 300 turkeys across this one way. So they had it all fenced up. And they're like, okay, so if you take this trail and you go down, you're going to go down into a valley and you'll go past an orchard. Then you'll come up and you'll hit the road and you'll take the road over here. And then <laughs> a lot of so lost 10 minutes later, we end up, this is 10 minutes in a, in a golf cart. We end up at the wash house. Now, as far as efficiency and working smarter, that's, I mean, they're working with what they had, but Lord help us. It was, I mean, I can only imagine trying to do that day in and day out and in the snow, because they went um, year-round and just have mercy. So centralizing is really, really important. Um, up here on the screen, I actually have an air view of Jean Martin's farm in Quebec. And, um, yeah, so if you look here, this is his farm. This is it. Um, he grows on, what is it, an acre and a half? So this is an acre and a half, pretty much. His house is right here. His wash house is right here. And his fields are all here. And that is it. And just to let you know, off of an acre and a half, this guy grosses like $150,000 a year, and that's about 45% of that. So this guy's pretty hardcore about this idea of, of working smarter, not harder. Um, so he can get with any place on his farm within just a matter of a few minutes. Yes, ma'am. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So there it is. It's, it's very much designed like a hub. So if you're thinking about if you have the ability to, to put forethought into how you want to set up your farm, or even if you have the ability to change the way your farm is designed, ideally... You want to shoot for having your hub, be that your house and wash house, right in the center, followed by your most valuable and work-intensive crops right around that. 
Then you can have your more less intensive crops, the things that don't really need tending on a daily basis or irrigation on a daily basis or harvest on a daily basis further out. So it's thinking about where am I the most and then building out from there. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's centralized. The, um, the next part is organize, which is my favorite uh, uh, point. Um, organization, we have to understand that every single thing that we have is a cost to us, whether we realize it or not. And this is something that Ben Hartman really focuses on in the lean farm. The lean farm, the lean principle itself, actually was developed in Japan. Um, it's something that I'm not sure if Toyota itself actually developed it or some people working very closely with... We're going to follow us, Danny. We're going to move over here so that you all can see the screen a little bit better and not lose our computer at the same time. So it was developed in Japan, and it's actually um, used in businesses a lot more. How does that work? What if, can we, if we stand further back, would that help? Okay. How's that? All right, is everyone good now? Okay, great. So Lean Farm was invented in Japan, and it's primarily used in, um, in businesses, not farms. Ben Hartman actually has brought the lean principle into the farming world. And he says it over and over in his book, but you have to be careful about not taking these principles too far, too far, because taking it to an extreme can actually damage the earth and the people that you're working with. So as farmers and as Christians, we can use our context to embrace these principles and then apply them in a responsible way. Um, so the first, the first organization, and this does go in order. The organization points do go in order. You have to approach it this way, otherwise it, it can get a little on the crazy side. The first, the first point is sort. And under sort, it, the subtitle, um, if you would, is to eliminate anything that is not absolutely necessary for the production system. Eliminate anything that is not absolutely necessary for the production system. And um, it can be hard as farmers to do this uh, because I'm not sure, I, I, well, for me it's a little hard to speak to this because for me I gain security by having less things but a lot of people gain security by having more things. And that's kind of foreign to me, but I, I realize that a lot of people think that way and feel that way. And so it's, it's, um, it can be harder for some folk than others to, to, to embrace the idea that not everything is necessary. Okay, you, you get what I mean? So how do we sort? Um, simplify. Ben Hartman tells a story that when he started um, introducing these lean principles into his farm, he went into his tool shed and he saw like 40 different types of shovels and because he tended to collect things, they would go to like farm sales or dog trades or whatever and they found this and they just take it and then they have this tool shed full. I don't know if any of you have that, um, have that sort of condition. Do you have that condition? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, so here they have a whole barn full of 60-year-old stuff. They have no idea what's in it. So for us, we don't necessarily have that issue so much because we're so new, and we don't, we don't, our, our place wasn't originally a farm. So it's not like we're coming into it with a lot of extra stuff. Um, but that's still something to take it. So if you have that, go through and get rid of it. Ben went in and they kept only the stuff that they realized was most necessary and they, they got rid of everything else. The idea is to open up the view. This is the second part under sort. Open up the view. No, it's not. It's, that's, it's, it's still under sort. This is under, it's under the subheading under sort. Open up the view. Ideally, if you can stand at one part of your farm and look all the way across to the other side of the farm and see it, that's a good thing. It's kind of like being able to walk into your house and see from whatever your house, our house is laid up in the structure wise. When you walk in the front door, you should be able to see the back door. Okay, so there's, um, I don't know if any of you have this experience, but oftentimes if my room is a mess, I find it very difficult to accomplish something in my room. Do, do you, can any of you relate to that? Same thing, if our farms are a mess, it can be very difficult. We might not even realize it can be difficult, but subconsciously it's putting a strain on our brain. Okay? And that's why Ben and the Lean Principles are so avid about um, getting rid of stuff. It's clearing the waste, opening it up so that you, can, you feel, you feel waste lighter. Is, waste is defined as things that aren't necessary for the production system. Yeah, waste are things that aren't necessary for the product, absolutely necessary for the production system. Designate a red tag holding area. If you're like me, sometimes think about it like this. If you have ever tried to clean out your closet, you'll come across things that you're like, okay, this can go, and this can go, and this can go. Then you come across something that you're like, I don't really know about this. So sometimes you just stick it back in your closet. That's the wrong thing to do. The right thing to do is to put it in a place where you know it's kind of on, I call it purgatory. Okay? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, but I still call it purgatory. It's kind of like this, well, we'll put it on a trial, and if, if, it's, if we need it, we'll keep it, but if not, we'll get rid of it, but I don't really feel comfortable getting rid of it right now. Does that make sense? That's a red tag holding area. Find a red tag holding area that you can have on your farm where if you come across something that you're not quite sure about, instead of putting it back, put it in the red tag holding area so you know this is pending. Make sense? Because if you put it back in your closet, you might forget about it, and then it's waste. Then it's waste again. Okay, sorting versus lining up. <clears throat> um, there's a story of, of the guy that, that, that works for Toyota that told about, he went to a plant, and he's like, all right, I need this place sorted. And what does sorting mean? Get rid of some, anything that is not absolutely necessary for production, right? He's like, I need this stuff sorted. So he, they, okay, okay, we'll sort it. So they go and they sort it, and he comes back, and instead of getting rid of stuff, they had just neatly put it up. There's a difference between sorting and lining up. We have a personal experience on our farm. We had a bunch of scrap metal that we had in one spot, just kind of lying around, and it was quite unsightly. And um, You never know when you need a piece of scrap metal to weld something. <laughs> well... After a few years, <coughs> so we were lining up this, this scrap metal. We'd have it here, and then we're like, oh, well, well, we'll move it over here. So then it takes quite a, 
we moved it four times without using any of it. <laughs> so after the fourth time, we're like, you know, the Lean Farm book came into our lives. Ta-da! Ding! Yes. No. That scrap metal, it's time to sort. We got rid of a lot of it that was... And it's a good thing. So now we have an area. Instead of lining up, we've sorted it. And we've only kept what's absolutely necessary or we think might be absolutely necessary. And everything else just... And now we don't have to mow around it or mow under it or move it, which is waste. That is waste. Very right. Good job, Alan. He's catching the vision. It's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Conversion is a constant experience on a farm. And the um, sorting versus squirreling. How many of you know what squirreling is? Okay. Kind of a similar idea to lining up. Instead of... Except that it's like, okay, I have this here, and instead of getting rid of it, it's like, you know, that barn over there. So then you go and put it over there. That's still waste. It's still yours. It's still on your property. You don't need it. Get rid of it. And that's the last point under sort, finding the right destination for an unused item. You need to, you need to realize there are several ways that you can get rid of things. You can either sell it, or you can take it to the recycle place, or you can do whatever with it, find the way that works best for you. But understand that if it takes a lot of energy and a lot of time, perhaps it's better, even though you might get a profit off of it, you're still spending time and realize time is money. And it's not, it's okay to, to embrace that philosophy. Your time is money. It's worth something. So if it's like, okay, I could take this to the flea market and something and sell it, but that's going to take me four hours in the morning to maybe find a buyer, da-da-da-da, it might be best to just take it to a recycle place or donate it or something because realizing it's creating waste. So the second point under organize, if you want to hit the button for me, Alan, is set in order. And this is a really fun point for us um, because this is some area that we really struggle with. My brother is a genius, and because of that, he doesn't often remember where to put things or where things are. <laughs> okay? So I am more of the, I'm more of the, okay, where is the stuff, and let's put it here, and let's, you know, keep things organized. This is set in order. Set in order must happen after you're done sorting. Otherwise, you're going to be setting a bunch of things in order that you shouldn't be having to set in order. Does that make sense? Okay. Every tool should have two places on your farm, in its place or in the hands of a worker. Okay, and this is something that we struggle with on a daily basis, and there's only four or six of us. None are righteous, no, not one. (laughs) This is very true. We'll be like, and we grow on a sixth of an acre, okay? We can walk around our house, and you wouldn't think that it takes that much, but I can spend sometimes up to 15 minutes looking for that silly broad fork. Or the, you know, it's like, where is it? It's not on its shelf, and it's not in anyone's hands, and then we find it off behind, like, the gas pump, like, way over, and I'm just like, what on earth is it doing? Vermont carts go missing all the time. Gloves, scissors, whatever you have it. This is really important, because your time, if it's spent... Trying to find a tool is wasted. And the idea is to eliminate as much waste as possible. So every item should have a place, two places, in its place or in the hand of a worker. And this might mean, once you've sorted, investing in proper structures that you can put your stuff in. 
in proper places and design-wise as far as where this stuff goes. When you're starting up a farm, this is kind of difficult because it's not like you have really any structures to put this stuff, but it should be on the top of your priority list, and I think that's going to be this coming season definitely on top of our priority list to say, okay, let's look at our tools, let's really make an effort to find places where these things can be easily accessible, and so when people have it, they know where it goes versus we'll just throw it in the shed. Yeah, and that's exactly the point that was coming next. Oops. <laughs> Store tools where you use them most. So even though it might be like, well, it should be nice to have a, like one room where all the tools go in, that might not be the most um, efficient way to store your tools. It might be better, and I know Ben Hartman does this on his farm, he stores, if he's working in, if his tomatoes are in a hoop house, he stores his tomato tools in the hoop house. So it's right there. Store Pr your pruning, tools. Pruning tools. Pruning tools. And I even saw in some of the pictures like shovels he has and shovels and hose and whatever that he, he might need to, to, to accomplish that. Store your tools at eye level. Don't store them way up here or way down here. Store them when you walk in, you, ah, tool. And it's just right there and easy. Also, you'll notice if they're missing. Yeah, you'll notice if they're missing that way. And store according to frequency of use. So there might be some tools that you don't use on a daily basis. Potato digger. Yeah, you can store that in a more out of the way kind of your, your tool storage spot. But if you have tools that you use every day, like your pruners or whatever, keep them where you use them so that way, and they stay there. They never leave, okay? Because tools have amazing powers. They can grow legs like you've never seen before. We're growing all kinds of things. Okay, um, the third point under organize is shine. You want to hit it, Alan? Yep. Is shine. Um, this is also one of my favorite points. Keep your areas clean and well lit. There is an extreme amount of value in keeping your areas clean and well lit. And um, that can take a little bit of training. That can actually take a lot of training, depending on how many people you have working with you, if it's just your family or if you have employees or whatever. You need to make sure that everyone is on the same page so that the space always looks the same because then you're you're not looking for you're not losing things you're keeping things it's all a matter of creating a system and creating efficiency so what um what ben hartman did in his lean farm book was he transformed his wash house he put in um concrete floors and he put more lighting in because the more lighting you have the better you can see whether things are actually dirty right if you're working in a dark place that has no windows and i mean it's not only is it unhealthy for you and your workers, it's very difficult to maintain any sort of, of system and, and cleanliness. So shine, keep things clean and well lit, and yes? No, maybe it's the next one, so go ahead. <clears throat> maybe it's not. Well, maybe it is. So <laughs> what they also do, which I don't have a picture of it, I should have gotten a picture of, is they will create um, picture diagrams for how an area should look with a few basic instructions. So like on the wall, you put on the wall a picture of like your wash house and what it would look, what your wash house would look like clean. And then basically say, you know, mop, wash bins, put them, stack them in place, wash out sink, some, some basic instructions. Have that on the wall so that you don't have to re-explain to people or re-explain to yourself exactly how that wash area should look. So it's self-explanatory and it reduces redundancy of thought and talking to other people about it.
pictures are really helpful. Take the picture in the ideal state and then shoot for that every single time so that you know it's always the same. And you can even do that in your, in your farm, obviously, I mean, like in your fields. This is great for kids' rooms, right? Yeah. You can just put kids it up. Rooms, take a picture, all right, kids, the kitchen. See, we're, you can use this really pretty much everywhere, you know, so. The doghouse? No, maybe not the doghouse. <laughs> bathroom. <clears throat> <laughs> Isn't this so much fun? Oh, we love it. Okay, and um, let's see. The fourth point under organize is standardize, which we covered in the in the our very first point. You want to hit it? But this is standardized under the subheading of um, organize. Standardize means that you do the same task the same way every time, and ideally, that same way is a way that you've been able to um, lean so that it's easy. For example. In our farm on market days, in the wash house, there's usually four to five of us working. What are we doing time check? Danny, what are we looking at? We're good. We're good? Okay. Um, there's usually five of us, four to five of us working. And at this point, currently, all of us do the same task differently. So this is an area that we have not, we have not um, figured out. Does anyone know what that is? I think it's a pump for the house with the water. All these are off of <clears throat> Oh, gotcha. So something that we're shooting for to do in our production this next season is to really standardize our tasks. Be that washing our lettuce, bagging our tomatoes, cleaning our sinks, whatever it is, we sit down and say, okay, this is the way that's most efficient, and we will do this the same way every time. That way you're, it, it just, it keeps things, you're not, having to just you can it essentially puts it in your um <clears throat> subconscious thought so that you can just be working and <clears throat> uncle byron yesterday in the um uh what was the seminar that he did yesterday morning what was it called see yeah the harvest and all that kind of stuff he talked about a story of this art teacher who had a pottery class and he split the group in two and one group was assigned the task of creating the highest quality pot and they would be graded on the quality of their pot. And the other group was assigned the um, task of creating the greatest quantity. And they would be graded on their quantity. And at the end of the year, those who had done the most quantity actually created the most quality. Because they had the most experience in making the pot. Which is like somewhat anti-intuitive, but also really intuitive at the same time. That's the same thing when it comes to standardize. It's getting into the ability to do everything the same way quickly. Okay, that's the idea because you realize your time is money and everything that you do that's not working in the system and efficient method, it, method is a waste. And another thing to think about, don't squirrel on the price to make that happen because efficiency is worth the cost and so if that means buying more tools that are the same or investing in like certain systems that help make it more streamlined you need to be thinking about that's really where we're gonna if, we're, if it's saving time in a really tangible and meaningful way we need to make those investments yes and the last point under organize is sustain this is also something that we haven't quite gotten to um, but we're working on these are these points are taken directly from the lean farm book um, and they're ones that we're working towards implementing sustain means you're regularly checking 
It's not like we put this system in place and then a year later or at the end of the season we're like, so how did that work for us? More than likely, it wouldn't have. The idea of sustaining is that every week and perhaps even more as you're starting out, you're checking on yourself. Okay, how are we doing against this? How are we doing against this? You're working to, to meet a goal. How is it coming along? And, and <clears throat> they talk about the idea that at some point you should, get to the, you should get to the point where you can actually have someone come in from outside who isn't a part of your farm and be able to go through this sustained checklist and, and check you and see how you're doing. So it really becomes, um, it really needs to become a, a habit and part of something that you do. You do it and then you check. You do it and then you check and then you modify according to, and it's just constantly building. Does that make sense? Okay, so Alan, the next part. Strategize. <clears throat> so, are you gonna put that up, mm -hmm. Ari? Yes, is it? True, 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 true. So, good judgment comes from experience, and experience comes from a lot of bad judgment. Will Rogers, the famous Oklahoman, proud of this guy, um, <laughs> because we live in Oklahoma. But, um, so, strategize. So, what do you need to be thinking about when you go home? Certain things to, to think about strategizing on. So, one of the things that we really want you to, to think about when you go home and you start strategizing is, number one, start small. Number two, learn from others. Networking. Um, sorry. Uh, sorry, going back to start small. Learn from small mistakes. This is really critical when you're starting out in any type of endeavor or any type of business. If you start too big, you ramp it up too much, it's going to be a hard fall usually because you just don't have the experience in it. So that's why we're actually doing this on one-sixth of an acre because we just don't, you don't know the questions to ask. And so by starting small, prototyping, it's done in industry all the time, you can reduce the bumps along the way because you're not having, it's not this big economic lift and it's not this big economic investment where um, if you do fail, it's really going to hurt. Learn from others. Other people have made a lot of mistakes. That's why you're here at this conference, right? To be able to learn and network. And hopefully you can take advantage of other conferences as well. Maybe not even Adventist conferences. Books, literature, stuff like this. We need to be very well-educated and very well-rounded farmers as we do this. Um, because a lot of people, even though they're not Adventists, even though they're not Christians, have things that we can even learn from. Um... And are we, we're going to go over the four points? Sure. Okay. That's what's there. You wrote that kind of funny, so I'm kind of wondering maybe you should do that part. Oh, the point that Alan was going to bring up was <laughs> <laughs> you want to feel like you own your farm and that your farm does not own you. We were given dominion over the earth. Which is responsible dominion, right? We don't want to rape the earth either. So. Right. It's responsible dominion. But we're still given dominion. And oftentimes, um, if we take the, um, the defensive side on this, we can end up feeling like really overwhelmed and overburdened, and we're just working hard and not working smart. We want to take the offensive side and, and have the upper edge on, on the farm because, really, it is, it, was, it is given to us to be subject and to, to bless us and to bless others. 
And that's what the, the point of, of these, these four points that we've talked about, which Alan's going to review, is that it gives us the ability to own our farms and feeling like we have, not that we will always have control, feel like we have control. God is the ultimate one who has control. But he still made us responsible, right? And if you're, it's like, think about it this way. If you're a parent and you do not have offensive, if you will let me use the term, methods to discipline your children, more than likely, you will feel like your children are running you. And other people will see that your children are running you. Okay? But if you take the, the edge up on them and teach them, then they will see that your children are obedient to you and working to you and subject to you like God designed us. Correct? The same way as with our farm. Our farm, I mean, we're working with living organisms, right? We have the blessing of touching living things pretty much every day. And they're, the plants are smarter. I mean, not that they have necessarily brains, but they, they're creatures, right? They're plants, but they're living. They're, they're not like just inanimate, rocks. inanimate. We're not working with wood here. We're not working with metal. We're not working wood with plastic it? or with web software or things like that. These things are living. They have kind of their own, you know, <clears throat> you know what I mean? You've worked with plants before. You understand how it goes. Characteristics. So it's the understanding of how to get the edge on it. So, Alan, you want to review the four points? So, going over the four points once more. Standardize, basically bed length. Field, uh, bed width, uh, bed length, field width, standardized tools, so on and so forth. Centralize the hub system. You want your, basically your packing house, your house, if you can, have that centralized as your hub. Your spokes are basically the fields that you access most because of crop intensity. And then beyond that would be those things that you don't manage as much, which would be things like maybe uh, asparagus fields, which would be more of a seasonal management, not a constantly turning crops over and over again on that same area. Organize, which basically goes through the principles of the five S's, um, which I don't have Set down. Set in order. Shine, standardize, and sustain. Thank you, Aubrey. And then strategize. Take these points together and really start working on how to implement these on your own farm. And remember, just keep on reading, keep networking, and uh, keep gaining that knowledge that will give you the edge as you continue your farming uh, adventure. So that concludes our um, constructed presentation. We have 10 minutes, right, for questions? So, yes. There, uh, two and a half feet is... Yeah, it's the same. I'm sorry. I, I should have kept it standardized. Oh. Okay, well, we'll need she, There was a little confusion on if 30 inches was 2.5 feet and if 2.5 feet was 30 inches, and I just used those interchangeably when I should have standardized and just used 30 inches or something. Yes, sir. What are we growing presently, and is it profitable? We're growing a lot of stuff. Is it profitable? We're still in the prototype stage. Um, what we're seeing, I don't have the numbers for this year, um, but anytime you're in a prototype stage, it really kind of skews that because we're, we're also building infrastructure at the same time that we're trying to make a profit. And so we haven't seen quote unquote profits. We really haven't amortized things out to see what it is exactly. Um, I can say from, from last year, our gross was uh, $19,500 off of one seventh of an acre. 
I don't know what it is this year. I have a guess, but I'm not going to say because I don't know for sure. I know it's beyond that, but I'm not quite sure how much beyond that. So if you scale that size up, let's say to an acre and a half, which is roughly about 10 and a half times more, you're looking at gross margin if it's possible to scale it up. And that's the big question. Can you scale up and still maintain that type of intensity? Um, we don't know yet, but you're shooting around $200,000, $210,000 if you could scale up to an acre and a half size. That's theory. Remember, this is just theory. This is computations. It doesn't always work that way in real life, um, but it's something to kind of give you a baseline to say, hmm, that actually sounds pretty good. Maybe we should continue on this adventure and see if it actually works out. Do you include how we're marketing? How we're marketing? We, do, uh, we kind of live in a fairly rural area that doesn't really have a lot of uh, farmers markets already established. So we have a web market um, coupled with a CSA. So basically our CSA, people can go online, kind of like what the Smiths are doing where they can just fill their boxes with what they want. We just ask that they buy a minimum of $18 a week and we have around 30 people that were a part of our CSA this year off of one-sixth of an acre. Um, so, um, yeah, we're really, we're really heavy in the online basis. Um, and then after the CSA people pick their stuff, then we open it up for a general market online. And then when we deliver to our location, we also bring extras for people to buy on site. So pretty much, and then we sell to a restaurant or two here or there. It's really not consistent. But we really try to go direct to the consumer every single time. So we hit our CSA, then our general online market, and then extras. And that's how we've been moving our product. No. Yeah. So the question was, is that they heard in the beginning. Yeah, the pre-conference. Yeah, that basically it's a half an acre per person if you're doing like a high intensive uh, farm like that. And if we're doing it full time, we're not doing it full time right now. Even I'm, I'm the most involved with it, but even I'm not doing it full time um, because I'm really spending a lot of my time doing research and not just strictly farming. Um, so, um, and Aubrey does it some part time and dad involved whenever he can be really when we're all on the farm is really during harvest days when we're actually trying to move our product, get it packaged and get it off to market. But, uh, I don't really want to even make a stab at time wise, what that looks like. Mm. Should I make a, what would you say? A stab at what looks like? As far as an every day, how much time do I actually spend doing this? Uh, don't make a stab. It's not full time though. Oh no, the guy behind, the, the gentleman behind you. You can get those right here at the Ad Agra booth if you want to get them there, or you can get them online, Amazon. Uh, yeah, it's pretty easy. They'll come up, pretty easy. So basically, what crops are most profitable? For the time that you invest in them, you know this is a really tricky situation. I'll just put a plug in for the Jean Martin book there. He has a really great schematic in his book talking about crops, times, and profitability as far as how much time you have to put in it versus the profitability of it. Um, cucumber tomatoes are his highest valuable crops in that area. Um, you know, it's, it's really tricky when you're starting out and you really don't have your fertility system really balanced out because things that will be profitable for other people, if you're dealing with soil issues, might not be profitable for you. But that doesn't mean that you give up on it. That just means that you need to improve your system. And so really it comes down to system and efficiency and stuff like that. Peanuts probably wouldn't fall under any type of profitability margin. They're kind of a fun crop to grow. Um, but just some things to think about 
crops that usually have a shorter turnaround time period. So for instance, let's say that I get a, t a lettuce plant that takes 30 days to mature versus a lettuce plant that takes 45 days to mature. The one that takes shorter time, I can put more per season, which bumps the profitability of that crop because it's taking less time in my field. So that's something to kind of think about as far as what's the turnover time on these crops and how fast can it happen, and then you can kind of measure which ones will, might be a little bit more profitable. But then you have to have your market for it. So there's a lot of dynamics involved. Yes? We're still learning. Well, how do we balance our time? Sorry, say that one more time. How do you organize your time? How do we so how do we balance our time on the farm versus being distracted by other things that are not farm related? When it's time to go out. Uh, that, oh, oh. yeah. Okay. I just thought of something. Um, when people are on the phone and are trying to work at the same time, they work a lot slower. Just to let you know, well, no, I'm not going to say anything. So that's one area that we're thinking, I mean, he does pretty much, he's on the phone pretty much all day. So it's work-related, primarily. He's talking to other farmers and, like, soil people and, you know, whatever, whoever, his girlfriend, that kind of a thing. Um, but, yeah, the conference, he was planning the conference. But it does. It takes, like, he, his, his production rate slows by a lot. So that's, I mean, that's one area. Um, but yeah, like I said, this is an area that <laughs> we're working in, which is why my jaw hit the floor when he told us we were presenting this, because it's something that doesn't come necessarily, comes naturally to my mom. My mom's pretty much hardcore, but um, the rest of us kind of struggle with that. I'm like, Aubrey, you know, we preach best what we need to learn most, and sometimes that helps, because the thing is, is that we're going through this just like you're going through this, and these are the challenges that we're facing, just like it's going to be the challenges either that you're facing right now or you will be facing. And so I believe that there was some value to, and legitimacy for us to, to talk about this to a certain extent. We'll, we'll start applying it. Yes, sir. Are we actually designating a time to do farming? Yes, we do. Um, Mondays and Thursdays, we're on the farm full-time. We start, we go out in the morning, we harvest, we wash, we pack, we put stuff in the cooler, and then we grab lunch, and then we head to market, and I mean, that's, that's our day, Mondays and Thursdays. Um, Sundays, generally some of us will try to be out. Alan's out more than the rest of us, and his time just kind of goes based during the rest of the week. But Mondays and Thursdays are, are I mean, those are full-time days for all of us, all six of us. I have a little yard machine. <laughs> Are we mechanized or do we do use a lot of hand tools? We would like to become more mechanized. Um, that's something that we're going to need to improve on. We've, we've, we've tried to, re on one-sixth of an acre, it's hard to justify the higher-scale mechanization. If we do get our new land, hopefully soon here, um, yeah, we're going to need to get a lot more mechanized. There's just no way you can cover that much land if you don't get more mechanized. The point is, is that how much more mechanized do you need to get and that's where the lean principles come into effect of basically saying scale to what you need, but not beyond that. It's a really good question. Do you want to answer it first, Aubrey? Yeah. So how do you how do you pace yourself when you have just an incredibly large piece of land for the amount of workers do you have? Well, my guess is you're not in charge of the farm. Okay. So you can't do anything about 
cultivating less land, which would be my first recommendation and pretty much the recommendation of everyone that I read. Um, and more than likely, you don't have the funds to hire a large group of people. Is that correct? Okay. So you can have your boss read the Lean Farm book. That would be my first recommendation. <laughs> would really help. Um, Jean Martin has this principle. He doesn't work after dark. After nine. After nine. He sets it pretty hard. And whatever is not done, that's his. He has this. He's, he has to. Otherwise, the farm will take, will just, I mean, it will kill you. If you're a very small group and you're trying to maintain 20 acres, I mean, that's, that's you, have to under, you have to understand your limits. Um, we have a, a, a passion about balance. That's not to mean that, well, we just work slower and then when their time is up, we go. You want to use your time most efficiently that you have, but, I mean, obviously you're not in charge. Try to set, but, yeah, we encourage to set limits. I mean, God is the most important. Your family is the most important. And so if those two are suffering because of what you're trying to do, I mean, if it's like a short term and you know this guy's is only going to be a short term and then it'll, that's okay. But if that's your lifestyle, it's not healthy. And just, just another thing on that, if you're not managing 20 acres well, there's no, I mean, there, there's a principle, I shouldn't say. If you can't manage one acre well, you have no business managing 10 acres. The idea is that it's a scale-up situation. If you're finding yourself overmaxed, it's really good to regroup and come down and say, because most likely if you're not doing a very good job with that, you're not being profitable. And so what's the point of spending more money and expending more effort on a larger acreage and wasting more when you're not doing a good job? Regroup, condense, and then grow appropriately and slowly. Okay. Aunt Jennifer, did you have something you wanted to say to that? Would you mind come up here and, and say it into the mic? And then um, all of the other questions, you're welcome to come up to us afterwards, but we should technically cut it off after Aunt Jennifer, but we'd love to talk to you afterwards, but just so other people can go to the next breakout. Okay. It was wonderful to hear Jean-Martin speak, and he actually has kids that are in regular school. So he actually was telling us that he and his wife would finish at five. And so that was really... Yeah, maybe in the summers it might be yeah. nine, and he takes a break. You know, when the kids are off and they're working when it's cooler, that's possible. But mostly it's at five, and he does all the meals with his wife because they're feeding. They have one meal together with their apprentices at, in the lunch hour. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you all for your attention and for your enthusiasm and for laughing with us. Um, makes it a lot more fun. Um, so yes, if you want the. Um, if you want the little notes that we have, you're welcome to come up and we'll take your email address. We should close with a word of prayer and then we're done. So uh, you want to pray for us now? Sure, let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we just want to thank you for this time that we've been able to spend together. We just pray that we might be able to do more of a, a better job that would honor and glorify your name on our farms, that we might be able to be efficient and that uh, this might not just be a thing of organizing, but that it might encourage other people to say, ah, oh, that's something I could do, and I really enjoy this, versus it being a situation of people being run in the dirt and, and exhausted and saying, farming's not for me, I can't see why anyone would want to do it. We, to this end we pray, in your name we ask, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, 
please visit www.audioverse.org.